Welcome to Real Estate Coaching Radio, starring award-winning real estate coaches and number one international best-selling authors, Tim and Julie Harris. Real Estate Coaching Radio is the nation's number one daily radio show for realtors who demand authentic, real-time coaching. Get ready for fluff-free, unfiltered, full-strength honesty about what's truly working to get you into action, helping others, and making money now in today's real estate market. Now to our hosts, Tim and Julie Harris. Three, two, one, and we're back. Julie, it is March the 23rd, and we have got a fantastic topic that's frankly inspired by all the emails and the you know all of our coaches telling us that they have so many agents that are having so many problems uh, on the buyer side of the transaction. And look, I mean, not to grind you guys who are on the buyer side who haven't learned how to be listing agents yet, but we have been basically begging and pleading and doing everything in our power for the past forever to try to convince you guys the importance of becoming listing agents because Julie and I did see the meteor heading for the buyer agent world, right? We knew it was going to happen. I think we first started talking about the downward pressure on the, um, I'm not going to say legitimacy, but the ability for agents to just focus on buyers and maintain a good uh, income. We saw downward pressures and those downward pressures have actually picked up pace. And look, guys, just to be clear, this is the natural market reaction to a very hot seller's market that's just getting hotter. And um, there is no reason to believe anytime in the near future this trend is going to con- uh, is not going to continue. It's just going to get harder and harder for agents that are not knowing how to be listing agents. So I just wanted you guys to be super clear um, about that. And just don't doubt it. Don't question it. Well, there- don't they say acceptance is the first step? This <laughs> is right. the world we're living in. You guys that keep on posting things that, oh my gosh, it's such a bubble, it's going to burst, it's going to be just like 2008. You guys are sounding ignorant because you haven't done your research and you're sounding desperate for the market to crack. And it's just not going to happen that way. A lot of, look, and just, we had this come up on Clubhouse this morning. Someone popped in, they said, I was on another Clubhouse and they were giving all these examples of why exactly all these mortgage forbearances were gonna result in a bunch of defaults. And well, we happen to have the actual numbers and we know what the actual statistics are and we're not, you know, BSing people into a big, you know, froth of fear. Because the reality of it is, is there is going to be no market slowdown. There is gonna be no market crash or no market correction. And I said this yesterday, just to prove to you guys, we have no hidden agenda here. We had predicted over the last three or four years that there was going to be a slowdown and we were sort of right and then we were wrong. So if we think that there's going to be a market slowdown, trust me, we're going to get way ahead of our skis, even out of fear of being wrong and tell you. So and when that's you, not speculation. We do our research. Right. I mean, just to bottom line it, guys, it's projected that there's going to be – there's there's 250,000 homes in the United States, which is a tiny number, in default, of some form of default now. Just a quarter million. Most of them are legacy defaults from the housing uh, you know, crash, if you can believe that. Now, the there's projected to be, as a result of all the forbearances coming to end, only another 400,000. So there's going to be between six and 700,000 total projected people that go into some form of default. And – when they do, do not think for a second that they're going to be ushered, all their stuff's going to be dropped on the street corner by the local sheriff. There's going to be all kinds of bank workout things, all kinds of things that are going to help them stay in the house. So there is going to be no distressed opportunity anytime soon. Now, this is what we're in. We're in the throes of a hot seller's market. The pendulum has swung to the point where back in 2008 or nine, builders were literally giving homes away. And we joked, but we did see signs when we were driving around uh, from you know Vegas to 
Southern California and Victorville, there was a sign that a builder put up, buy a home, get one for free. And now it's obviously just the exact opposite. Yeah. So we're going to the two ends of the spectrum, a hot, you know, crazy bad buyer's market now to a crazy hot seller's market. And eventually what's going to happen is that's going to swing back to some form of equilibrium, but it's not happening anytime soon. And look, we can talk about interest rates. We can talk about um, demographics. We can talk about inflation. We can talk about all those things, but it doesn't really matter because what matters now is that you guys, if you're going to have to work with buyers, you're going to have to have techniques to get your buyers in contract. Otherwise, you're going to not make any money. Um, and there's another little statistic, and we told you guys about this too. We saw it was about March or April, May, somewhere like that last year. We started seeing signs that there was a huge increase in agents and pre-licensing. Julie and I know three of the owners of the top uh, pre-licensing uh, companies. We asked them. They said, yep, an enormous spike. So as soon as like May hit and you started seeing COVID lockdowns, what did people do? They watched Netflix. They gained weight and they got real estate licenses. Yeah. Now, why aren't there more new licensees yet? Because the states had a backlog of all the people waiting to sit and take their their tests. But what you're going to see now, uh, Wall Street Journal did an article about this and it's being republished a different bunch of different places. Matter of fact, it's going to be on timandjulieharris.com because we did some more research on this. But you're going to see a massive, and I mean historically unprecedented, never seen before, a number of new licensees get into the business. And what are they going to do first? They're all going to gravitate towards buyers. So if you think that the pickings are slim now uh, uh, and you're only working buyers, you just wait another six to 12 months. You're going to have yeah. so many new competitors that are going to be hitting the market. that are going to be competing for your centers of influence and past client. They're going to be competing for whatever opportunities there are out there on the buyer side. So while you still can do everything in your power to become a listing agent. And yes, this is a you know self-serving pitch, which I'm about to do, but who cares? You need to hear it. That's what we do in our coaching program. We help you guys learn how to be listing agents. That's the primary focus of what we've always done because we always have been, you know, tell, told you guys that only on the other side of working with listings do you truly have leverage. I know a lot of you guys have been listening to us for years. You're reading our book. You're in our coaching program. So you know what we're saying is true. But how many of you guys who have been part of our lives and us part of yours for all these years, decades really, you've been waiting, you've been hesitant, to become a listing agent, this is a this is your official notice that the buyer agent is the buyer agent business model is going to very much be in flux for probably the next few years. So you have to focus all your best energies on becoming a listing agent. That number <laughs> you just teed yourself up and then didn't tell them how to. What? What? Do, oh, okay. Sorry. Yes, you're right. So all you guys. <laughs> sorry, right. I got your back. Yeah. Thanks. So if you guys want to attend a webinar that we're doing, uh, that's going to happen three times over the next week, and where we're interviewing top producing agents. Um, and they're going to basically share their secrets on how they're making money in this market. Just text the word Harris, H-A-R-R-I-S, to 855-685-1045. Text the word Harris, H-A-R-R-I-S, to 855-685-1045. But really, many of you guys are looking to join our coaching program today. The simplest way to do that is just go to timandjulieharris.com and just join the coaching program. I mean, it, it really couldn't be much easier than that. So what we're talking with you guys about today, tomorrow, probably the next day is... Yes, how to end the buyer agent abuse. And that means how to more easily win in a competitive situation. Okay. So I ended my Facebook live uh, session by reminding them there's really three solutions to this. Number one, pay attention to these podcasts, because this is going to be probably a three-part series, how to end the abuse, you know, on the buyer side. 
Uh, number two, simply be the listing agent because that will end all of your worries. All the stress right now is on the buyer side. For sure. And number three, do a better job finding uh, inventory that you're not going to have to compete for. And we had a podcast about that called How to Find Inventory. We talk about that a lot in Premier Coaching, too. Okay, so um, before we get to ending you know, our, our action points and our discussion about how to make your lives easier... I wanted to point out, you know, because there's so many people saying, oh, you know, the the bubble has to burst. We talked about that. Just because somebody is in default does not automatically make them a short sale. I see this discussion happening. I get lots of questions on this. Why is that? Because there's tons of equity around still. Why are we bouncing and talking about distressed? Because they, they, there's still this anxiety that, oh, I'm not going to have to worry about all this because the oh, market's going to change. Okay. Yeah, you're okay? right. That is so true. So remember, acceptance is where we're starting. This is a mindset point. Well, but so you, that is an excellent point. Sorry it got by me. That's okay. That's because I was looking at my computer screen and I wasn't listening. But your point is excellent. Yeah. And we did, we do hear that. A lot of people are delaying learning how to become a listing agent and frankly delaying learning how to become yeah. a really good buyer's agent because they think that the, essentially the- Like cla- the market will change and take The market's going to change and take care of the problem, right? It's not going to happen. And we were saying something earlier, and it's incredibly important you guys uh, remember this. It used to be that being on the seller side of the transaction, being a listing agent required more skills. You had to have a listing presentation. You had to know a a lot of scripts. You had to be Dr. Phil meets, you know, I don't even know who. But the point is, is that it required a lot more discipline, drilled down skill, whereas working on the buyer side of the business was more social and physical labor. It wasn't requiring that much skill. You open the door, they liked the house, they didn't like the house. In between houses, you talk about dogs and kids and whatever. But that was when there were a lot of doors to open. Right. And so you'd show six houses. One of them was the clear winner. You'd write it up. You weren't competing and you were done. Now the interesting thing is to be a successful listing agent, you're, the skills necessary are basically centered around, which we've been teaching you guys for years, proactive lead generation, pre-qualifying, and presenting. If you do those three things well, uh, everything else is going to take care of itself. Negotiation is number four, but the reality of it is, it was when you put something for sale and you get 20 offers on it, negotiation kind of takes care of itself. Yeah. So if you're good at proactive lead generation, if you're good at pre-qualifying, and you're good at presenting, you're going to basically clean up in this market. Whereas on a buyer's side of the transaction, now you're going to have to not, because look guys, what's happening is in many markets, commissions are becoming an option on the buyer agent side. We're seeing agents tell us, that they are finding that in some co-ops, the offered co-op is zero. And if you want to show the house, there is no implied commission for you to be on the buyer agent side. That's not the seller or the listing agent sticking it to you. That's market conditions changing. So stop blaming yeah. the listing agent. That's the seller saying, you know what? I know how to make my net a little bit higher. Yeah. Because it's going to sell. That's right. And the buyer and the listing agent does not have to split whatever their commission is with you yep. when the market is super hot because the buyers are going to go directly to the listing agents. So you're going to have to learn how to present to the buyer the value you present, the value you represent, so that they're going to understand in some cases you're going to have to start making the buyer obligated to pay your commission if the seller is not going to pay it through the transaction, or you're going to have to write it into the transaction so it does become a part and parcel of the transaction. That's where we're headed. In some markets, there is still a co-op, and it's the same as it was you know, 10 years ago. We're in a buyer's market. You're blessed, but changes are coming. Now, this is a result of the extreme seller's market. When the market shifts back, what you're going to see are the buyer agent commissions go the opposite direction. Don't write on that, please. 
the buyer agent commissions are going to go in the opposite direction. You're going to see the listing agents start taking the reduced portion, and they're going to then start have to pay a premium commission to get the buyer's agents to show, let alone sell the house. But in this end of the market or the extreme seller's market, you've got to understand that that's what's coming next in your market. So if you're saying, Tim, I can sell 15 or 20 houses to buyers this year and I'll be right as rain, you might sell that as 15 or 20 houses. I hope you do, but you don't be, don't be surprised when the commissions are far less and it takes five six, 10 times the work to sell those same houses. That's true. And that's already happening. So, all right, let's cover some points here of how to ease this at least a little bit for you guys. Remember the ultimate solution is to simply be the listing agent, but we also realize, you know, there's a lot of buyers wandering around out there needing your help. So number one, your relationship with the other agents absolutely matters. Be a favorite agent. Uh, I'll give you some examples, Tim. And this is right from coaching clients, okay? If they're trying to decide between offer A and offer B and they're basically the same and they don't know each of those agents, they do Google and find out what you're made of. And if they find you posting some crazy comments about, you know, how some agent screwed you and the market's so hard and you can't believe you had to do this. And the other agent's like, you're not going to believe how I won this for my client. I had these three, three strategies. I really understood their financing and we won. Who are you going to choose? But it, it's even deeper than that. In every market, you're generally speaking going to have a very dominant, usually three dominant listing agents. Number one, number two, and number three, right? Number one is generally speaking going to be doing the combined volume of two and three. And just, you know, this is just interesting statistical facts. You go in your MLS, you'll see this. It happens that way all over the country, by the way, probably the world. So what you got to do is you got to be focusing on making friends with each of those agents when you literally making friends with them. Because like Julie said, if you're a listing agent and you get an offer and you get, uh, I mean, sorry, you get 10 offers and you know, Julie Harris is a sweetheart. She writes clean offers. She doesn't work with uh, flaky buyers. She, you know, she doesn't try to beat you up after the house is in contract on inspections. Who are you going to want to work with? Because you want, it's your job to obviously bring the best overall offer for the seller. But if all the offers are relatively are the same or similar enough, and the seller asks your advice on which one you're going to take, you're going to go with the non-jerk offer every time. Absolutely. So be a favorite agent. Actually work on your relationships. We were that way when we were listing agents. Absolutely. We did it on purpose. We did. You know, you, you've got to you've got to be in that upper echelon and become known as somebody that you know really goes to bat for your client. Yes but is actually easy to work with, is not somebody that likes to fight, right? I, I remember when you and I were selling real estate, we get offers in on like agents that we'd never, like it would, it's really unfair if you don't have the relationship with the top listing agents in your primary markets. If you do have those relationships, you have an unfair advantage, but you're going to have to earn the right for them to trust you that you're not going to bring them an, uh, an un, which we're going to well, get to, unqualified a buyer or a flaky buyer. You're going to have to, they're going to have to, trust that you're actually going to bring them somebody that's going to close that's not going to beat up them or their buyer or their sellers along the way. And we're going to show you some points of how to get ahead, especially if you haven't yet established yourself that way. But point number one is make the dominant listing agents in your market uh, love you. Now, if you happen to be a listing agent in your market, you're also going to have an advantage when you're submitting offers because that other listing agent is going to recognize the fact that you're a listing agent as well. And if you're nice, if they're nice to you, when they bring a buyer to your listing, you're probably going to be nice to them. And don't be afraid to uh, maybe point that out. Yes, exactly. So I'm going to kind of read, that's too much of the same point. So I'm going to renumber a little bit of this. Number two. Okay. So write a hygienic offer. Okay. 
What does that mean? Coin termed by one of our long-term coaching clients, Colette McDonald, because she's having to deal with a lot of this. Do not write hasty, sloppy offers. They are simply not taken seriously. I asked her what she meant by that, and she gave me an example of uh, just different variants of this, right? So, for example, earnest money that is not commiserate with what's expected. You know, kind of a lightweight earnest money deposit. It could be that they filled out part of the financing contingency but didn't give any details. It could be that they present as a cash offer but they don't have proof of funds or it looks like some kind of cut and paste hillbilly, you know, put together proof of funds. Write an actual hygienic offer, meaning a clean offer, because otherwise you're going to be put on the bottom of the stack and not taken seriously. And that can mean many different things. Uh, Next point is... And, and this is all related, let, right? Joel Smith, let yeah. me ask you a question. Do you remember it was John this morning that said in the comments section, mm-hmm. she actually put a cheat sheet for the buyer's agents? Oh, That's re- the next point. Okay, sorry. That's okay. <laughs> We're using the same brain as usual. Yes. Okay, number three, check the actual listing. This is for buyer's agents, okay? Check the actual listing for the actual facts. Preferences for the offers. This is in your documents tab or in agent to agent comments. Remember that your MLS has more going on than just the picture and the initial description. You've got to dig a little bit deeper to get those comments and those documents. Many listing agents are going to post those exact terms. Here's how this came up. The listing agents get really irritated with buyer's agents. You know, they're like that, uh, what's that um, meme of the the cat typing away furiously on the keyboard, okay? And they just can't stop typing because they've got to get their answer right now. Well, the point is is that the buyer's agents think they have to talk to the listing agent. And they're trying to get coaching from the listing agent how the offer is supposed to look. And they text them and they email them and they voicemail bomb them repeatedly thinking that that's going to get them the attention. And then when this listing agent doesn't respond back to you, you're like, that listing agent's a butthead. They're not going to blah, 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 blah. They're so lazy. And here's what the listing agent's thinking. How about you read the comments that I posted? Exactly. And oftentimes when you look for that, now if you're a listing agent, do yourself a favor and in the main comments, the public facing comments, say agency, you know, private comments Comments. or whatever, and then just rattle off bullet point what that seller's looking for. They don't want a love letter. They don't want, you know, any of that Mickey Mouse. They want, this is what they want. This is what they close. This is what they, and then you, if the, you know, obviously that's going to give you an unfair advantage when making offers. Well, and it also save you from making some easy mistakes. For example, let's say in the comments, which you haven't read, and you're torturing the listing agent, who's not going to call you back because they posted the comments, okay? Let's say in the comments it says that seller prefers a longer closing or a long lease back. And you think that your competitive advantage is to have the lender call and say, we can close in five days. Yeah. Right? You see how you're trying to do good for your client. You're trying to be competitive, but you're not actually giving the seller what they desire. Right. That's a good way to lose, even though... In your mind, you're going, well, what do you want from me? I can close in five days. You didn't call me back. Yeah. You're a horrible listing agent. You didn't read the comments. Okay. So uh, let's see. So two points on that. One is if you're a listing agent, make sure you, you're you know putting your comments in to save yourself from some voicemail and text torture. And number two, if you're on the buyer side, read the comments. All right. And on, also on the listing agent side, in some of your guys' markets, you put an offer, uh, a house up, you're getting so many inquiries from mostly new nervous agents that are trying to get their one deal together, their first deal together. So you need to put on your voicemail telling them what to do. And you need to put on on your, set up an auto reply on your email telling them what to do. Tell them to go to the MLS and read the comments and that'll save you a lot of effort. Julie and I did something similar 
uh, when we were selling real estate, but and we put it right in the MLS so they could completely see it exact. What we did is we called ours an ultimate addendum. When making an offer on this property, all you must uh, submit the ultimate. You have to comply to the ultimate addendum. Coaching clients, you know what that is. But basically, that's a no mucky and around lender's letter that has essentially all the potential landmines of a typical lending process already sorted out. And we'll talk more about that in a future point. But yes, thank you for the prequel. Okay, so speaking of lenders, a great strategy when you are doing financing is for the lender to call the listing agent and be specific, okay? So if you have loan commitment, the lender, that's that's fantastic. That's better than pre-approval. So if it's pre-approval, be specific. So if you're the lender or you have your lender do this, if your lender won't do this, you need to change lenders, okay? Or take your buyer further through the process before you're writing. So the lender would say something like, you know what, we're not just at pre-approval status, but we've already verified their employment, their down payment. Um, we've verified their ratios are fine, and we've looked at all three credit scores. I'm calling you personally to let you know that you know we're through the woods on this. So please accept their offer over all others because we're ready to rumble. So that's good, but we're going back to the realm of phone call not being received. Yeah. So that's the reason you have to go back and use the ultimate addendum. Which it's then, better to attach it. Right, to attach it. So when you submit the offer, the lender's letter is not just that Bob and Betty have been pre-approved and subject to appraisal or subject to you know a verification of employment. It's no subject to's, nothing. It's a clean, tight letter. It, it's basically saying these guys are ready to rock. They're better than cash. That's right. As you know, contingent on as little as possible. So that's related to our next point, number five. The actual lender, we were talking about the lender letter, but the actual lender matters. Local is better. Well-known is better. That was a point from Clubhouse. You know, it's funny when we yeah. sold real estate, that's totally true. It is absolutely true. And there's there's so many more. I mean, we didn't deal with as many online or, we, you know, Quicken Loans or whatever. Do you remember, do you remember that's yeah. right when you, in the late 90s, when you and I were just phasing out of selling real estate full-time, what was that big lender that basically was at the heart of the foreclosure crisis too? Um, you um, remember Hart, they had different rebranded names, but I, th- I think a lot of it was done by Bank of America, wasn't no, it? Was it? No, it was the Bank of America ended up being forced to buy them. The FDIC yeah. made them I buy can't them. I remember them now. Mazzullo or something was the CEO. Yeah. You remember? Mm-hmm. I don't remember. Uh, I don't remember the name of that company. But I remember when they came to uh, Columbus and they were uh, they had lower rates and they were trying to gut the local lenders. We still want to do different uh, business with the local lenders, and you will too, because the local lenders, especially the ones with a good reputation, they're not going to want to basically give some you know, crappy lender letter and ruin their reputation with both no, the buyer and the list. Risk. Yeah, they yeah. have more at risk. It's their local. They're local. I mean, it just sort of makes sense, doesn't it? Which, by the way, is another reason why there will never be some sort of bot agent out of you know some place in Seattle or Silicon Valley that's going to replace you in Nebraska. It's never going to happen. That's right. It does matter. Okay, so if you on the buyer side, and you know this is where our unexperienced buyers agents are at a bit of a disadvantage. They might not know the difference between a really great local lender and whatever their buyer comes to them with. So ask experienced agents. You can ask us if you're a coaching member, you know, get some education on that. Okay. So um, let's just drill down for the sake of everyone. You guys should always have three lenders and we always suggest you have three local lenders. The first lender is going to be your, like we used to use a guy named Mark Yerke, great lender, uh, did a lot of government loans, FHA, VA, we, and, and the thing is about Mark is he knew all the nuanced approaches. He was fantastic. Great first-time buyers. Totally. We could put a first-time – and Mark would not try to just push, uh, push them towards a government loan if they qualified for a conventional loan. A lot of you guys who get stuck with these 
uh, FHA uh, borrowers and then no listing agent wants to deal with your FHA borrower, you're saying, well, why aren't the, the evil listing agents? They won't accept FHA. No, it's because it's more onerous on behalf of the seller. The seller actually has more fees and more risk. So the listing agent's job is to present the best offer for the seller. And that's oftentimes not going to be that FHA borrower. But here's what you don't know. that The lender you took to that buyer to to get approved for that mortgage they may be putting that borrower towards a mortgage that pays them the most commission. And I don't know if it's true today, but it probably is. I knew I knew what the rates, the back end rates were last year. But in most cases, those government loans pay more commission to the loan officers than, say, for example, the local bank does. So the, the moral of the story here is you've got to be really careful the lender you use. That lender might swear up and down, Julie, honest to God, Bob and Betty, they can only qualify for a you know, a VA farm loan and whatever, whatever. Well, it's because, you know, you know, Steve, the lender is getting eight points in the back end. That's his sweetheart deal. Yeah. You know, it's a, it's a $200,000 loan. He's making 16 grand in commission just to put perspective on that. So at least the house is. So you guys got to be realizing that your lenders do matter and your lenders telling you that this is all the, the borrower qualifies for. If you're dealing, if you're new in the business and you're not dealing with the lender that say the top listing agent in your market is, which by the way, is a great way to find out who you should be using. Go to the top listing agent, see who they use. Yeah. So that's the first. And then you have to have an in, a, meet, a middle lender. Now the bar, the, you know, our uh, entry level uh, lender, we, would occasionally send uh, the move up a move up borrower to our entry level lender, but we had a different lender for that. And this was somebody that was going to be a little bit more uh, focused on the higher end type sale, you know. But they had kind versus- of standard issue twenty percent down, good credit, right. good ratio, long job history, sort of you know your good normal solid middle of the road buyers. An amiable type is who we always look for for the middle of yeah. the road. And and the 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 entry mark was more of a driver analytical type. And then the middle one was the getting to know you type. And then we had a um his name was Jeff, wasn't he? Mm-hmm. And then we had an upper end lender that we would use for loans where the you know he he played golf all day basically and you know <laughs> he would do deals on the golf course, you know. And every time we called him to pre-approve somebody, he would be on the golf course, but that's But he the got t- the job done. But and, well, the, my point is is that's the yeah. type of borrower that the upper end people, I'm sorry, lender that the upper end people wanted to have. They perceived that that was the type of experience they should have. Point being is he now knew, he knew how to do the really expensive stuff, the jumbos, the super jumbos. But he still had, you know, came from the reputable local brand. Right. All of them were local. And we would never send, for example, our upper end lender, we would never send him a first time borrower because he wouldn't even give him the time of day. We wouldn't even send him a move up buyer. Uh, honestly, we'd only send him the very, very uh, upper echelon of the people, the reloads and whatnot we were dealing with. Yeah. So you've got to know your lenders and they've got to be local. They've got to have a good reputation. And believe me, agents talk about that. So it wouldn't take you more than four or five phone calls to figure out who those people are. Okay. So next, we're going to talk a little bit about escalation clauses. Um, some of you guys, this came up on, on Premier. Not everybody knew escalation clauses. You want to hold some of those for tomorrow? Sure. Yeah, because we're gonna yeah we're running out of time here. You know, thirty minutes is basically after that. These are agents, Julie. They're gonna. It, it can they, be a cliffhanger. They can't. They can't. Their attention yes. spans. Digest those first five <laughs> points. <laughs> <Exactly>. <laughs> Let them ruminate. Ask, but seriously, ask yourself: Are you doing all of this? One of the points on Clubhouse this morning was: If you've got a toolbox and you've got a complex problem. Don't get frustrated if you use one or two tools. You got to right. lose all, use all of your tools. And but here's really where all this goes. We've been saying it for years. We'll keep saying it. Be the listing agent. 
Uh, but ultimately, the points we're going to talk to you guys about tomorrow is you're going to have to learn how to have a formal presentation, which we do offer as far as premier coaching. Uh, from a, You're going to have to learn how to sit down by your agents in front of a buyer and explain to the buyer why they should be using you in the first place, what value you bring to the transaction, how you work with builders, how you work with FISBOs, how you work with all the different, at, you know, Different types Players. of sources. Yeah. yeah, exactly. You know, condos, da, 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 da. You need to explain to them the value that you bring to the transaction. And unfortunately or fortunately, depending on your perspective, you're probably in some markets going to have to start explaining to them why you're worth what you think you're worth as far as the, uh, the commission. That's called the buyer presentation, which we'll right. talk about on future podcasts. Right. So the buyer presentation is part of our coaching program. And if you've been working with buyers through mostly social means, you're a great person, you have a great personality, you know, you know, so-and-so and you guys are buddies in church and there's no presentation. It's like, let's meet up on Sunday after church and we're going to go look at houses. Those days are coming to an end for now. And you're going to have to learn how to compete and pr pr prove your value other than just basically social connections. Otherwise, you're not going to get paid. I mean, sure, they might want to go out and show you, uh, let you show them houses and open up doors and, you know, spend all your, you know, your life energy opening up doors for them. But then you're not going to get your commission or what you're actually going to get paid for your time. If you're going to start seeing that evaporate quickly in some markets, it already is down to like, you know, a third of what it used nothing. to be. And we're not talking about commission rates because, you know, there's yeah. legal implications, but we're talking about something that's half of what it was, say, two years ago, and now it's going to a third of what it was two years ago. In some markets, huh. it's zero. So you've got to protect your worth and show your value. And, you know, I mean, here's a pop quiz for them. How many times does a buyer have to lose to stop wanting to work with you? How many times does an agent have to lose working with a buyer before they decide to become <laughs> a listing agent? That's a better agent? question, I mean, it? how many times do you guys yeah. have to get kicked in the head to say, you know what? Maybe Had that's enough. enough. <laughs> Maybe I see this. You know, it's funny about our premier coaching clients. I, I've seen, because, you know, we get to know a lot of them. I've seen the dabblers go from dabblers to being like, all right, enough's enough. I'm going to call an unrepresented seller today. And then, then the next session is like, you're not going to believe what happened. I called one and I listed one. And now it's in contract in the past three days. And then they get addicted. And now they're on the good path to being a listing agent. There you go. So, All right, guys. So listen, yes, of course, we're interested in talking with you about having Julie and I be your sponsor at eXp Realty. Yes, of course, we want you to be part of our team. If you're ready uh, to join eXp and you're looking for the right sponsor, we'd appreciate the opportunity to uh, to apply for the job of being your sponsor at eXp. Just text me directly at 512-758-0206, 512-758-0206. In the meantime, you guys have a fantastic day and we'll talk with you on the show tomorrow. This program has been a presentation by Tim and Julie Harris, Real Estate Coaching. For more information on our real estate coaching and training programs, visit our website at timandjulieharris.com. Remember to tune in weekdays at noon for upcoming shows. And until next time, thank you for listening to Real Estate Coaching Radio with Tim and Julie Harris. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.